0: From Milwaukee's NPR, this is Capital Notes. We break down the big political news affecting Wisconsin. I'm Ma'ayan Silver, speaking with JR Ross, editor of Wispolitics.com. He provides a roundup of what you need to know this midterm election year. Here's our latest conversation. Hi, JR. New day uh, this week, not permanently, but because of world events. So thanks for joining us on Capital Notes Tuesday. Anytime. <laughs> okay, so we'll start out with the race for U.S. Senate. You've said in the past that Democratic candidate Lieutenant Governor Mandela Barnes could focus on the progressive playbook of Democratic U.S. Senator Tammy Baldwin and focus on pocketbook issues and the working class to connect with people as forward looking. Do you see him doing that?
1: He's trying his best. He's talking about trying to create or reestablish the middle class in Wisconsin you know, a, a quote-unquote fairer tax code to make the, the wealthy pay their fair share, you know, things like that that strike that more populist tone. Uh, the issue that he's having is being outspent on TV, and the other side is doing its best to define him as basically weak on crime, which we know from the Marquette Law School poll is one of the top issues on voters' minds right now. So he's kind of facing a headwind, especially when you consider that the party in power in the White House typically struggles in midterm elections. You know, it's all adding up to, uh, maybe shift the momentum of race a little bit.
0: Well, you know, on that note, I've seen ads on Instagram and YouTube for Barnes, and he starts out by saying something like, we knew the other side would make up lies about me to scare you. Now they're claiming I want to defund the police and abolish ICE. That's a lie. Then he'll say he wants to bring back the middle-class tax cut. Do you think that ads like this portray him as too much on the defensive? And what does that do for a candidate?
1: Well, obviously, he's trying to answer something that they're seeing. Either One of two things ha- One or two things are happening. One, they are seeing things, as campaign, in their polling numbers that suggest that numbers are moving and they have to respond to the ads that they're seeing. Or they anticipated the attacks and taped this ad to kind of be a little bit pre- preemptive about it. But what we saw in the Marquette Law School poll last week was that his negatives jumped by 10 points. Now, Tim Michaels also saw his go up, uh, the GOP gubernatorial challenger, they Went by six points. The difference is that you know, Michaels was hit by some you know negative ads during the primary by his rival Rebecca Clayfish. Really, nobody's taken a shot at Mandela Barnes before the primary was over. As uh, Dem candidates that he running against him, you know, dropped out late, they avoided really going after Mandela and the paid media, so he really kind of came through unscathed in that primary. And now we're seeing a concerted effort to define him as soft on crime, uh, somebody who's uh, I think one line and one at I saw was not just a Democrat, but a dangerous Democrat, you know, trying to convince people this guy is really not just bad on policy, but dangerous to their livelihoods.
0: And you mentioned the Marquette poll showing that those negatives are going up for Mandela Barnes. But, you know, and you talked a little bit about GOP Senator Ron Johnson's messaging. What else should we know about this f- kind of fight over the airwaves and TV screens, including, you know, what some have called out as racism?
1: Well, just look at the numbers. Ad Impact is a group that targets spending for the general election. They've tracked about, I think it's $89 million uh, that's being spent or laid down in TV buys between now and uh, between the primary and starting election day. Uh, of that, it's um, $49 million for Republicans and forty for Democrats. That's why you're probably seeing more anti-Barnes ads than others. And, yeah, you're getting Democrats who are complaining that When you see these ads, they often link Mandela Barnes to this so-called squad who are all members of Congress for people of color. The grainy video of people committing crimes are often uh, black people who are depicted in those ads. So yeah, there's definitely an undercurrent there that they are complaining about. But, you know, it's not as much attention as just this barrage of ads that's trying to define Barnes uh, as unpalatable as a candidate. Part of the reason why they're doing it is Ron Johnson's numbers are not great in the Marquette poll. He is stuck upside down. He was negative nine points in terms of his favor unfavorable rating. The difference for Johnson from six years ago is he wasn't that well-known six years ago, despite being in office for you know six years. But his numbers, his favorable number, improved steadily all of 2016. Got into positive territory by October, stayed there through November. We are not seeing that movement for Ron Johnson this year. It's been negative and stayed negative, and it's too late to move. He's been around for 12 years now. People know they've met their minds about him. The best path for an incumbent who's not well-liked is to tear down the other guy. The the path has been used before, and that's what Johnson and his allies are trying to do now. All
0: right. So we've been talking a bit about public safety and how that's an important issue, or especially Republicans are trying to make that a big issue in the U.S. Senate race. Same thing with the governor's race. The Associated mm-hmm. Press reports that conservative businessman Tim Michaels, the GOP candidate, called on Democratic Governor Tony Evers to halt all paroles in the state, even though a governor can't unilaterally order them to stop that, and some paroles are mandated by law. So, how would you how would you characterize this this development?
1: Oh, uh, the same thing. They're trying to make crime an issue. That Tony Evers is soft on crime. That he's contributing somehow to the issues going on out there. The challenge for Michaels has been that as of two weeks ago, he was on pace to be outspent on TV by about three to one by Evers and his allies versus Michaels and his allies. Um, Now, we will see if they level that playing field. One of the challenges for Michaels is he spent more than $12 bucks of his own money in the primary, and there was this sense that, okay, here's a guy with personal resources. He's spending bigger than the primary. He will put money in the general election and kind of keep self-funding his own campaign. That's not really been the case as much. He is moving toward taking donations, um, won't take PAC contributions or lobbyist contributions. However... His running mate, Roger Roth, for lieutenant governor, is accepting those kind of donations. Under state law, you can make unlimited transfers between uh, campaigns for lieutenant governor and governor on the same ticket. So there's a way around the the Michaels ban, if you will. Um, but he's just having a harder time getting people to open their checkbooks because they kind of thought, well, you're a, a wealthy guy who spent so much money before. Why aren't you spending more money to seal the deal? Um, and for Michaels and company, they have to... Not necessarily the parody on TV with Evers, but can't be outspent three to one between now and election day. Now, there's a theory that the environment will be so good for Republicans come November that, you know, it'll paper over some deficiencies or some shortcomings of campaigns. We shall see uh, where things go. But Republicans feel confident the issues are on their side. They just have to communicate them to the public. And the challenge for Michaels is having enough resources to communicate them effectively.
0: What are you seeing as the main messaging from the Michaels campaign versus the Evers campaign?
1: Oh, it's it's crime, uh, crime, uh, you know, getting state government out of the way, uh, those kinds of things from the Michaels campaign. Evers, uh, him, he, and, him, and his allies have been focusing a lot on abortion. The ads you see are knocking Michaels for his position, which is uh, supportive of the 1849 ban that we have in Wisconsin, books It only allows abortion to save the life of mother. He said he would not. Change anything to that law. Last time I saw an interview with him about that. So they're knocking him on that. Uh, Evers is also trying to portray himself as a check against Republican government. That if you elect a Republican governor, you're going to see all these things that GP lawmakers try to do in elections, uh, abortion. I mean, just name your issue, that they will not have somebody as a check against them uh, going forward. So that's kind of part of his message nowadays.
0: And, you know, you've You've outlined some of the major differences between Evers and Michaels. What's at stake in this governor's race, then, would you say?
1: Well, one, if Democrats can avoid losing their numbers in the Assembly of the Senate, what basically the check on the veto. So remember, you need two-thirds majorities in each House of the legislature to override a veto without help from the minority party. Republicans are in pretty good shape to get there in the Senate. The math in the Assembly is a bit tougher. But let's just assume that Democrats can, you know, hold on to their numbers in the Assembly and the Senate, at least prevent there from being that veto-proof majority. Well, now you're going to force, if your Evers are reelected, you will force Republicans to kind of work with Evers on things or watch your bills get vetoed. Now, same time, if your Evers and want your priorities passed, you could argue you need to engage lawmakers, Republican lawmakers, and try and work with them on things. Otherwise, it'll be... And we watched the last four years of Evers sends a budget to Republicans. They rework it and send it back without his priorities. He vetoes what he can and we, we move on. So the big questions would be he's really put an emphasis on a significant investment in public education, his next budget. Uh, he and the state superintendent called for more than $2 billion in new spending uh, for that agency. So, you know, if he wants that, I'm not sure lawmakers are ready to go along with it, But it would behoove him to work with and to try and get that done because that's a big priority for Evers in a second term, if there is one.
0: And, you know, WEWM, we're going to to various neighborhoods around Milwaukee. We were in the Harambee neighborhood, predominantly black neighborhood, and we were speaking with voters, and one man said, you know, Evers is going to have to do a lot more. He laid gas prices at Evers' feet, and he also said that Evers is going to have to do a lot more in order to get his vote. He basically felt like he was getting nothing. What is Evers going to have to do to change the minds of of voters in the city of Milwaukee, for instance, voters of color, things like that?
1: Good question with those constituencies. Um, One thing that people have talked about about this election is um, the city of Milwaukee, for example, doesn't turn out in midterm elections the way it does during presidential years. There's a question of whether having Mandela Barnes on the ticket, you know, as the candidate for U.S. Senate, the first you know, who could be the first elected black senator in Wisconsin history if having him on the, ba- the ballot will help drive term on the black community and help Evers in that way. So we'll see. Maybe it will. Maybe it won't. But there's definitely a push to try and engage those voters to get them to come out um, on Election Day.
0: I think just as a side note, that voter said he's coming out for, to vote for, Ma- for, he said Mandela is, is a quote. He's coming out to vote for Barnes, essentially, and not for Evers.
1: So, you know, that's a challenge for any candidate. How do you make sure they've got their vote? Um, now, we shall see. We'll see how many people show up and only vote for one race and not the other. You know, on the flip side, uh, Republicans really want to bring back into the fold suburban, college-educated women. They feel like they've got crime and um, inflation as issues to bring them back into the fold. But Evers is harping hard on that abortion issue because he's trying to keep uh, those vote-up constituency kind of going, you know... Not sure about that Michaels guy because of X. So we'll see if that works. But that's part of the messaging from Evers on Michaels about a different constituency.
0: So we're less than eight weeks out from the midterm election. And with elections come litigation, apparently, in Wisconsin. Uh, The conservative Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty has sued the Wisconsin Elections Commission over its use of national voter registration forms. What are they alleging and what impact could this challenge have if it's successful?
1: Essentially, they're saying that the Elections Commission approved a registration form that asks questions to gather information that state law doesn't allow to be gathered. So the rub of that lawsuit, though, is they're not asking to have anybody who registered via that form to be kicked off the rolls or anything like that. So it shouldn't have an impact on this fall election. It's more about preventing that form from being used going forward because they say the Elections Commission gave inappropriate authorization to it.
0: I see. Okay, And um, and finally, switching over to the race for attorney general, can you tell us about what's different for incumbent Democratic Attorney General Josh Call in 2022 as opposed to when he first ran in 2018?
1: Well, you know, one in 18 was viewed as a good year for Democrats. 22 is not viewed as a good year for Democrats. Um, Call, though, had, I think, two million bucks in the bank. And the last time we saw a finance report from him, significantly more in resources than Eric Tony, the final act County District Attorney. Now the question has been, can either of those two gentlemen carve out an identity unique to themselves and not just part of the generic ballot? You think about it, there's going to be a contest for U.S. Senate. We've talked about the million dollars, millions of dollars in ads being run in that race. The millions more being spent in the governor's race. If you are running for Attorney General, how do you get your name out there and kind of differentiate yourself from just... That I'm a Democrat or I'm a Republican. Uh, Tony has struggled in fundraising, but he's really pushing hard on the law and order issue, accusing Josh Call of turning his back on the law enforcement community. That you know, Tony says he's the one who supports the blue. Essentially, Uh, Call has failed to adequately staff Department of Justice to address things like uh, the crime lab. Call, meanwhile, has been talking about how he is the one trying to hold polluters accountable. You know, going after manufacturers of PFAS joined the lawsuit against opi- the opi- opioid industry, trying to hold them accountable, that he also supports law enforcement and that he is critical of Republican lawmakers, he says, for trying to undercut the agency before he even took office by trying to hamstring what he could do. So they both say law enforcement, or, you know, law and order is their number one priority. Uh, it's just a different message and we'll see if either of them can really present a different you know, view of themselves of people than just, are you a Democrat or are you a Republican?
0: And a wild card is also, you know, given Wisconsin's solidly Republican legislature, a Democratic governor and attorney general may be the only thing standing in the way of an abortion ban that doesn't have exceptions for rape and incest. How has this been impacting the attorney general's race? And maybe if you want to start out by explaining for people who might not know what role the attorney general plays in abortion law enforcement.
1: Well, Call filed a lawsuit seeking to overturned the ban from 1849. He originally sued Republican legislative leaders. They said, we're not the right people to sue because we only make the laws, we don't enforce them. So then Call changed the lawsuit last week to go after the DAs and the counties that had clinics that performed abortion, Sheboygan County, Milwaukee County, and Dane Counties. Of those three, only the Sheboygan County DA had said he would enforce the 1849 ban. So Call's actually pursuing that lawsuit. He says Tony would enforce... 1849 ban, uh, if elected, and trying to make an issue that way.
0: I see. Okay. Well, thanks for breaking it all down, JR, and thanks for joining me on Capital Notes. Anytime. That was JR Ross of WisPolitics.com speaking with me, WUWM's Maayan Silver. Listen for our segments every Monday with an extended version on Lake Effect, and check out the Capital Notes podcast wherever you get your podcasts.